Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Uh, welcome to Element Church. I'm so glad that you're here tonight. Uh, whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're, you are joining us. My name's Andy Hazlett, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at Element, and I have the absolute honor and privilege of sharing the message with you tonight. Uh, next Sunday, I want to make sure you're aware of this, next Sunday is a very important Sunday for starters. It is the opening weekend of NFL football. Who's excited for that? Anybody? Yes, it is very exciting. Also, though, we have a new sermon series that is about ready to kick off called Don't Be a Fan. It's going to be a great sermon series. Pastor Jeff's going to be kicking off that series for us. And and here's the thing. We do not want to just be a fan of Jesus. We want to truly discover what it means to follow Jesus. So make sure you're here for that sermon series. Uh, You don't want to miss it. Also, next weekend, the the beginning of this series, we want to encourage you to wear your, your NFL jerseys, sports paraphernalia, your sports clothing that kind of stuff, and we'll have some fun with that. It's going to be a great weekend. Make sure you don't miss that. Now, how many of you in the room tonight would say that that you have had your, maybe you've experienced this where you've had your children, uh, they've learned behavior from you, and they've done something that they learned from you that you wish they wouldn't have learned from you? Anybody, Anybody can connect with that? Okay, probably if you're a parent, you can connect with that on on some level. My wife, Aubrey, and I, we have two young children. We have a three and a half year old little girl named Maddie and a six year old boy named Josiah. Well, just a couple weeks ago, Maddie was playing with a toy and I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it wasn't doing what she wanted it to do. And so she was getting upset with it. And here's this little girl, this little adorable girl with a pink dress and pigtails and everything just looks adorable. But she got frustrated with this toy. And so she responded by saying, oh, this stupid thing. And my wife, Aubrey, and I, we look at each other. We're like, oh, my goodness. Like, did she learn that from you? She definitely learned that from her mom. I'm pretty sure she learned that from her mom. Uh, my son, Josiah, he just started kindergarten a couple weeks ago, and he thinks it's the greatest thing on planet Earth. Uh, we'll see how long that excitement for school continues. I hope it does continue for a while, but loves kindergarten. And last year, he was in a preschool program at uh, a church here in town that offers a preschool program. Great program. And he had an amazing teacher for preschool that year. And uh, I-, I will never forget, though, that when he was in preschool, one of the things that his teacher in preschool would teach him were the Ten Commandments. So over the course of, of the school year, they would learn the Ten Commandments. And, and we, we got to talking about that. He came home one day and said, hey, what would you learn at school? And he said, oh, we're learning the Ten Commandments. And I said, okay, what'd you tell me? Like, what, what Ten Commandment have you been learning? What's your favorite one, right? And he would tell my wife and I this. He would also tell other people this as well. And he would tell us, yeah, my favorite, you know, my, my favorite one, the one that I remember, do not commit adultery. And so my wife and I were, and we call ourselves, he would tell people that in public. And so we tell, we have to explain to them he has no idea what adultery means. We don't know why, but he remembers that one. For whatever reason, he remembers that one. A reality with children is that if you say it, they hear it, and eventually they will repeat it. Many of you as parents have experienced that. Whether we like it or not, we have influence. And that's true for me as a parent. That's true for my son's preschool teacher as well. We all have influence. As parents, we have massive influence. 
as an employee, as a boss, as a student, as a son and daughter, even as a child, we all have influence. The reality of influence is something that is true at every stage of our lives. The way that I live affects the people around me. The big idea for the message tonight is this. Influence without intentionality dishonors the Lord. Influence without intentionality dishonors the Lord. The main scripture that we're going to take some time looking at tonight is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And we're going to focus primarily on verse 2 tonight. But the big question that we're going to answer in the message tonight is, is this. What is God's plan for my spiritual influence? What is God's plan for my spiritual influence? Influence. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, you may not know who that is, but uh, Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. He's the first Christian missionary, had a massive influence on the New Testament church. And Paul wrote these two letters, first and second Timothy, to a guy named Timothy. Timothy was a young church leader that Paul was coaching and mentoring. And as far as we know, 2 Timothy is one of the very last letters that Paul writes. He writes 2 Timothy from prison, and these are some of the last words that Paul, these are the last words that Paul gives to Timothy. And he gives Timothy here a game plan for spiritual leadership. Now, though this game plan was originally intended for a pastor of a local church, the, 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 the spiritual principles here are for every believer, and there's so much that we can gain from this, especially parents in the room. I'm telling you, this can revolutionize the way you look at parenting. For bosses in the room, this can revolutionize the, the way you lead your employees. I really believe that it will. Now, even though the message tonight is primarily geared for Christians in the room, if you're here tonight and you'd say, I'm not a Christian, first off, we're so glad that you are here. And, and there's something that I want you to see tonight, something I want you to recognize. I want you to see how incredibly practical the Bible is. That not only does Jesus offer us forgiveness of sins and relationship with him for eternity, but he also offers us incredibly practical tools on how to live our lives. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. If you don't own a Bible, as always, we would love to give you one. You can stop by guest services in the lobby tonight, and we'd love to put one in your hands. Verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, it will be up on the screens for you as well. Paul says this, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Pause right there for just a moment. Paul's opening words here are a warning. Paul, Paul's getting ready to say, get ready because what I'm about to say is extremely important. Verse 2, Paul says this, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Influence without intentionality dishonors the Lord. So what is God's plan for my spiritual 
influence? Well, Paul gives Timothy, and for our benefit as well, three answers, three challenges that I think will be very fruitful for us tonight. Number one is this, influence requires resources. Influence requires resources. The first challenge that Paul gives Timothy is is this in verse 2, preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. Now, don't get hung up on that word preach. It doesn't mean that you need to get up here next Sunday and preach for 30 minutes. The the principle is this. Focus on the word of God. Focus on the truth of the word of God. Paul very clearly articulates for Timothy, you are not to lead and you are not to give wisdom based on your own opinions or even what you feel is right. You are to lead and you are to teach based on the source of Scripture, preach the word of God. Now, while the whole Bible from Genesis in the Old Testament all the way through Revelation in the New Testament, we believe is the inspired word of God, Paul is specifically referring to the message of Jesus Christ. In another letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said this in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5, he said, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves, We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. The needs of the people are answered perfectly in the Lord Jesus Christ. The world gives us lots and lots of answers to those needs, answers that we can be easily distracted by, but we must focus on the right resources. We must focus on the truth of God. More specifically, we must focus on the life transforming truths of Jesus. We have a running joke uh, on our staff here at the church with our, our youth pastor, Brendan. You may, you may not know Pastor Brendan, and don't feel bad for Pastor Brendan because he's always given me a hard time, so this is my chance to get him back, okay? Well, Pastor Brendan, our youth pastor, uh, we have this running joke is he calls himself a medical professional, okay? Now, if you, if you know Brendan, you might know that before he came on to our church staff as a youth pastor, he was a phlebotomist, okay? Now, if you don't know what that is, the phlebotomist is the, the person that comes into the hospital room and draws your blood. Like, that's what they, they do. Yet, he calls himself a medical professional. At any rate, uh, Brendan's got some great stories. In fact, I'm convinced that, that people from the medical field, nurses and doctors and hospital staff and phlebotomists, they've got the best stories. They just, they do have the best stories. And, and the same is true with Brendan. He's got some great stories from when he was a phlebotomist. And one of my favorite stories that he tells, I'm going to share with you tonight, and I'm going to give you permission to laugh. There's going to come a point where you're going to feel like, I'm not sure if it's okay for me to laugh at this. I'm giving you permission to laugh because it's hilarious. At least part of it is hilarious. So pastor, so Brennan, before he was youth pastor, he's phlebotomist. He gets this order to go uh, draw blood from a particular patient. He gets all his gear ready. He gets all of his stuff and heads that direction. He goes up the elevator to the particular floor he's supposed to be at. He finds the room he's supposed to be at goes into the room and, you know, sees the patient and everything, you know, everything. He goes through his regular protocol and all that kind of stuff and uh, starts, you know, proceeds to do his job. Everything seems relatively normal until a nurse comes into the room and tells Brendan, you need to stop. And Brendan's like, 
Oh, like, what did I do? You know, he's got this pit in his stomach thinking, what did I do wrong? I hope I didn't screw up and, and get in trouble, do something to get in trouble. And, and, and he's trying to figure out what in the world is wrong. And this, and this nurse proceeds to tell him that the patient is dead. <laughs> uh, see what I mean? It's not funny that the patient died. It's hilarious that Brendan tried to draw blood from someone that had, had passed away. That's funny. And I'm so glad it was him and not me. So you can give him a hard time if you see him tonight. Here's my point. If you need open heart surgery, you're not going to Pastor Brendan. If you need open heart surgery, he might say he's a medical professional all day long, but if you need triple bypass, you're not going to the phlebotomist, you're going to the heart surgeon, right? You're going to the right resource, you're going to the person that has the experience and the education and the residency and all that stuff to back up the fact he's going to cut your chest open and work on you. And, and this whole idea of spiritual influence is similar. Having spiritual influence, it requires having the right resources. And often we ignorantly pull from the wrong resources. We pull from the wrong well sometimes. And there's two practical challenges that I want to give you tonight. The first one is this. Stop pulling water from the wrong well. Stop pulling water from the wrong well. Here's what I mean by that. Like when we preach to our children and when we consume ourselves with the notion that success is primarily based on affluence, why are we surprised when our children are wretchedly self-centered? Why would we be surprised? Because that's how we, that's how we raise them. That's how we measure success in the home is, is based on affluence. So why would we be surprised when our children end up being self-centered? I'll tell you what, they are born self-centered. Can I get an amen? Right? Like they don't need any more help on our part to help them be more self-centered. We all have that self-centered problem. All I'm suggesting All I'm suggesting is to start running our decisions and to start running our advice through this filter. Does this decision and does this advice that I'm about to give, does it honor Jesus? Does this advice and does this, does this decision I'm about to make, does it, uh, you know, is it right? Is it right according to the scriptures? Not only do wise and godly people pull from a deep well of knowledge and experience, they pull from the right well. They pull from the knowledge of the truth of scripture. The second challenge, let me give you, is this. You cannot teach what you have not experienced. You cannot teach what you have not experienced. All I'm going to say here is that if you do not personally know Jesus... And if you do not know the truth of God, it is simply impossible for you to have this kind of spiritual influence that Paul is describing here. It's, it's impossible. Influence without intentionality dishonors the Lord. So what is God's plan for my spiritual influence? The first thing is that influence requires resources, the right resources. And number two, influence requires readiness. Influence requires readiness. Looking at the second challenge that Paul gives to Timothy in verse 2, he says this, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Other translations use the word instant. The idea here is to be ready to pounce. 
We must be ready in season and out of season. In, in other words, we should be ready to lead someone spiritually. We should be ready to have a spiritual conversation, literally, whether the time is convenient or whether the time is inconvenient. And this idea of convenience, it, ha- it has the, the meaning of it works into my calendar. Like having this spiritual conversation with someone, it just works. It doesn't mess up my schedule. Inconvenience, however, it requires rescheduling. It requires getting up in the middle of the night. It's even an active pursuit of the uncomfortable. It's an active pursuit of the uncomfortable. About a year ago or so, I had the opportunity to uh, be an on-call chaplain at the hospital here in town for about six months. And, and though it was a short time, that six months was one of the most challenging and eye-opening experiences of my entire life. Just absolutely eye-opening. Now, uh, now uh, Brendan is a medical professional, but I'm not a medical professional. Okay, I know nothing. I mean, outside of being in the hospital when my children were born, I assume I was in a hospital when I was born. Outside of that, I, I don't know much about the medical field at all. So I would show up as a chaplain and just try not to screw things up and press the wrong buttons and things like that. And I, and I would show up and would, would pray with people and, and try to be a comfort and help to people. And just an eye-opening experience for me. And as a chaplain, you get this old school pager. I didn't even know those things existed anymore, but they do exist. I remember my dad had one growing up. I've seen them on movies. I didn't even know they exist. I got this awesome old school pager and, and my hours were Thursday night from 7 p.m to Friday morning at 7 a.m. That was my chunk of time. And there were certain things that would automatically, uh, automatically uh, signal the, the, the pager to go off for the chaplain. And most of the time, there were pretty bad situations that that, that would happen. And I'll tell you, in that time, the thing that amazed me most is in the middle of a trauma room, in the midst of a trauma, something awful happens to someone, and all these alarms go off, and bells and whistles, and pagers go off all around the city for different people that need to get to the hospital. What amazed me most is that in a moment of time, that room was filled with all these people that knew what to do. Like immediately, the doctors and nurses and hospital staff and everybody, everybody that needed to be in the room, in a moment of time, boom, they are there. They, they swarm in like bees and they are ready to conquer the world. And I'll tell you what, it took my respect for, for nurses and doctors and hospital staff to a whole new level when I saw it in action. These people that have the education and the resources and the, the background and the experience, and they're able to make these decisions just in a split second, these life-changing, life-saving decisions, in a moment of time, they're in the room. They're ready to pounce. They're ready to take over the world. And this is the image that Paul paints for us. This is the image Paul says, you should be ready. You should be instant, whether the time is convenient or inconvenient. Wow, what a, what a picture. Now, it doesn't mean that I should try to solve everyone's problems. I can't solve everybody's problems. And it doesn't mean, 
It doesn't mean that I should create unhealthy trades and behaviors in my lives, but I think there are some practical things that we can do here. So let me give you three practical ideas. I call these the, I'm just making this up right now, I call these the three P's of readiness, according to Paul. And, and my boss is listening, it's right over there, I can see him, and he gets pumped up when anyone uses alliteration. So here we go, three P's. The first one is this, prepare, prepare. As a believer, you should prepare for the opportunity to share the truth of Jesus. You should prepare that. For starters, you need to have a basic understanding of who Jesus is, what he has done in your life, and what he wants to do in other people's lives as well. And if you're not sure about those things, I would just encourage you to pick up a 21-day devotional out in the lobby sometime that will take you through a, a study through the book of John, and I believe you'll get some really good answers to those questions. The, the other thing that we can prepare is we can prepare our story. Believe it or not, like when we share our personal story with another individual about how Jesus saved us, And how we got to the point where we believed in Jesus for salvation and we surrendered our lives to Jesus, that is one of the most powerful things that you could ever share with another person spiritually. And if you've never thought through those things, let me give you three ideas on how you can start start this. Uh, three, Three bullet points, okay? I want to challenge you, get a piece of paper sometime this week. And you can write one paragraph on these three things. They'll be up on the screen. These three things, write a paragraph on these. My life before Christ, how I accepted Christ, and my life with Christ. My life before Christ, how I accepted Christ, and my life with Christ. It might seem super duper simple, but I'm telling you, write those things out. And it can be an incredibly powerful thing for you to think through your story and be able to articulate that to someone when they they ask you about why do you believe in Jesus? Like, why why do you go to church and those kind of things? What a great opportunity to share that with someone. Now, th- this last thing, this is, this is too big of a subject for me to go much further, bit, further with, but I think one of the biggest struggles for us is, is recognizing where someone is at spiritually and having the wisdom to give them the right direction on what's next. So let me just say, Foundations Leadership is a fantastic resource that will help you understand the spiritual growth process and will help answer this question, where am I at spiritually and how can I help other people grow spiritually as well? It starts next Tuesday, September 13th. You can sign up on the church website or out in the church lobby as well. The second P is plan. We should prepare, but we should plan as well. There are lots of favorable times to share Jesus with someone. If you have children, you should plan time into your family life for spiritual things. Pray, uh, pray during meals. Pray together before bedtime. Now, this is hilarious. I shared this last service, but just yesterday, uh, my wife and I were sitting on the deck outside just enjoying the nice weather. My daughter, Maddie, was playing in the sandbox, and she just like, she stops for a moment, and she just shouts out, God, thank you for these toys. And that was it. 
she went upon her, and we're just dying laughing. We're like, where in the world did that come, girl? You are hilarious. But I tell you what, that, that does not just come from nowhere. That comes from a consistent pattern of prayer as a family. So as a three-and-a-half-year-old, prayer is a normal thing for her. So when she gets moved by the Spirit to thank the Lord for her toys, she just does, you know, and doesn't care who knows it. I love that. Pray together as a family. Experiment with family devotional time. Attend church together. If you have teenagers, serve together. I believe one of the number one needs for teenagers is to serve in the local church. Because I'm telling you what, if they serve in the local church, they will see serving in the church, they will see the local church as a priority when they leave the home because they got to invest into church when they were a teenager. And I'll tell you what, if they see you doing it as well, that makes a huge, huge difference. So prepare, plan, and then the third one is prioritize. We've got to, at some point, make the decision to hold our faith in Jesus as a higher priority than other things. Now, and I don't know about you, but I live and die by my calendar. Literally, this is super dorky, but it's true. I have every 30-minute increment of my workday is on my calendar. It is. But I'm telling you what, there are times when the calendar needs to be thrown out the window, it needs to be put aside, and I need to focus on something else. When God brings an opportunity across my path to share the truth of Jesus or have some kind of spiritual conversation with someone, it's time for the calendar to be put aside and do some rescheduling. Influence without intentionality dishonors the Lord. So what's God's plan for my spiritual influence? The first thing is that influence requires resources. The second is that influence requires readiness. And the third is this influence must speak reality. Influence must speak reality. Paul's Paul's third challenge to Timothy is this patiently correct, rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. I did some study on these three words, and and each of these words gives us some incredible insight into leading someone spiritually. The first word is correct. Correct. This word, correct, it carries with it the intellectual understanding of what is wrong with a behavior and what biblical restoration looks like. Most English translations translate the word as reprove. The meaning is to convince, to convince. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul uses similar language when he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. This correction should be based on the Scriptures. The second word is rebuke. Rebuke. This is a, a kind of a harsh word, and, and the word has the meaning of challenging specific behavior. In other words, it means having the difficult conversation. Keep in mind, however, that someone that, who does not believe in Jesus does not need behavior modification. They need salvation in Jesus Christ. Also, 
When Jesus said not to point out the speck in someone else's eye, when there's a log in your own eye, what, what he meant there is, what he was saying there is that, that it's, it's not okay for me to challenge behavior in another believer if I'm guilty of the same behavior. So keep those two things in mind. The third word is encourage. Encourage. This word encourage, it has the meaning of comfort. Correction and rebuke do not have to be void of love and comfort. One of the commentators I read in preparing for the message said this, rebuke and exhortation must be accompanied with teaching or they will be unprofitable. Whether we like it or not, spiritual influence requires having difficult conversations. And those difficult conversations should happen with patience and good teaching. The best teachers, the best teachers are the ones who walk patiently alongside life with you. They've invested enough time into you and they know, they know and understand your situation and they, they understand your struggle. They love you enough to understand the problem and they love you enough to help you understand the problem. I'll tell you what, they love you enough to give you lots and lots and lots of second chances. But make no mistake, a good teacher does not ignore what's wrong. A good teacher does not ignore what's wrong. I want to close with a story tonight. Last week, I received an email from a young woman here at Element that has attended Element Church two times. I got this email that basically said, I'm struggling really bad, and I I really need to talk to someone. Can we talk? Can can we meet and talk? So we set up a time, I think the next day, and she, she came into the church, met me up front in the cafe area there, and we met for just a little while, and she, she just poured her heart out, poured her guts out on the table, and just, you know, crying her eyes out, and, and I'm not going to share with you her name, I'm not going to share with you the details of her story, but let me just say that this young woman has been through hell on earth. All the awful things you can imagine happening to someone, this young woman has been through it. Four weeks earlier just so happened that she went to a wedding and at that wedding she she connected with an old family friend who happens to be an element church uh, volunteer leader they started this spiritual conversation so for two weeks they had this spiritual conversation going on and he was doing the best he could to answer some of her spiritual questions and help help her with some of the things that she was struggling with and sent her different sermons, links to different sermons online that she could check out, that kind of thing. And eventually she decided she wanted to come to church. She was willing to come to church, but she was nervous to come to church. Like many people are nervous to come to church when you haven't been to church in years. She was nervous problem was this element leader this element volunteer he he wasn't going to be here that weekend so what he did was he he connected her he he emailed another element volunteer and introduced these two gals over email so this uh this element volunteer and, and this gal that was struggling they started talking over email they figured out all the details sunday comes she comes to the front door and sure enough here comes this element volunteer that that's ready to meet her so they met together at the front door and, and, and this young woman, she's terrified to come to church, just has, has struggled for a long time, really struggling. And, and here's the message that night, sitting right next to one of our element volunteers she'd never met before. And God uses the message that night to absolutely wreck her heart. 
For the next three days, she told me she cried almost the whole day for three days. And finally, she works up the courage to email someone at the church. It just so happens to come to my email box and we meet together, have a conversation up in the church lobby. And at the end of the conversation, she prays to receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Awesome. And and I'll tell you what, I, I tell you that for two reasons. I share her story with you first to communicate that no matter what you've done and no matter what's been done to you, there is a God that loves you and He offers salvation and eternal relationship with you through His Son, Jesus. That's good news. And the second reason I share that story with you is this. Do not minimize the power and the potential of your spiritual influence. Don't don't minimize it. Because it's huge. The faith you model to your children and the world around you is filled with spiritual influence. The conversations you're willing to have, the schedule that you're willing to adjust, the prayer that you're willing to stop and pray out loud with someone, the behavior in another believer that you are willing to challenge in love, the person you invite to church, the person you meet at the front door and attend church with them. I'm telling you, those are not small things because God will use our influence when we surrender our influence to Christ. He will. Do not minimize the power and the potential of your spiritual influence. And I'll tell you what, from a pastor's perspective, someone for eight years that has worked full-time in a church and it's my job to have spiritual conversations, I was a footnote in that story. Never even met that girl until we met up front that day. Literally, all I did was catch the ball in the end zone. And if you know me, you know how hard it is for me to catch a ball at all. That was a footnote in her story. But you know what's amazing? It blew my mind about that whole story. How many people for how many years have prayed for her? I have no idea. No idea. And those two element volunteers they get to share in the blessing that that day the trajectory of that young woman's life was changed for eternity once she was lost and now she is found. They did not save her. Don't hear me wrong. Jesus saved her that day. But they got to share in the blessing of what Jesus wanted to do in her life. And they'll never forget that. I'll tell you what, I'll never forget that. Do not minimize the power and the potential of your spiritual influence. Influence without intentionality dishonors the Lord. So what's God's plan for my spiritual influence? Influence requires resources, readiness, and it must speak reality. Let's pray. Father, illuminate our hearts and minds with this reality of spiritual influence. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see where we fall short and encourage us, Lord, with the things that we should continue. I pray, Father, that you would use our influence in such a way to bring glory to you and bring more people to a point where they can know you and experience the amazing grace of your salvation. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen.